0: When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the Uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush final rise gear is built for the uplands get yours today at finalrise.com welcome to the project upland podcast where we discuss all things upland hunting we plan to take you into some of our favorite bird covers as we talk to the people that hunt them and the organizations that support them we'll also break down the dogs guns and gear used to pursue them and of course we'll share the stories that celebrate this american tradition it's one of those things that you do that, that feels timeless. My dad brought home our first Brittany
1: when I was about 10 years old.
0: The Red Gods are calling, and I must go. These are your stories. The Project Upland podcast is brought to you in part by Pine Ridge Grouse Camp. Adventure awaits. Hey, what's up, everybody? Nick Larson with the Project Upland podcast. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us for another episode. Quick intro for you today. Uh, Just finished up our interview with our guest today. We went a little bit longer, but that's because he is very knowledgeable in his area of expertise, and I think it will be of great interest to the Project Upland listener. So we'll get to that interview very quickly. Uh, Two quick things. Project Upland Kickstarter campaign is live Uh, just under 10 days to go, I believe, and we are a hair under 50% funded, so we could use your help there. Uh, This is Project Upland's transition to the uh, printed book. It's going to contain uh, excellent content that you've come to expect, beautiful photography, excellent Upland writing, Uh, by various contributors, well-known, some well-known, some maybe that you do not know, but needless to say, it's going to be an awesome piece, and you can help us out, get it funded. Go to kickstarter.com, search Project Upland, or go to the Project Upland website or Facebook page. Uh, The Kickstarter campaign should be pinned to the top. Second thing, still December, which means you have until December 31st, to use the promo code that we offered earlier this uh, year on Gumleaf Boots, boots from gumleafusa.com. That promo code is PU2017. It'll get you free shipping on anything from gumleafusa.com. They're phenomenal boots. I wore a pair all season in the grouse and woodcock uh, during the hunting season here. They are excellent. Typically a rubber Wellington style boot If you're going to be hunting in wet areas, which in uh, northern Minnesota and Wisconsin, we have a lot of swamps, a lot of alders, lowlands. These boots were some of the best that I've worn in that kind of cover, and I love them. So, check out gumleafusa.com, promo code PU2017. All right, moving on to today's show, I was able to interview Steve Snell from gundogsupply.com. If you don't know them, they are a pretty well-known online, mainly online retailer. We get into a little bit of the history of the business and uh, family owned and operated. Very cool story. Steve's a phenomenal guy. He's an upland hunter himself. They know the business, they know the products. And I think if you're familiar with that business, you've gone to their website, you know exactly that you're buying products from people that use them, test them, rate, review them all that stuff. And I think that's kind of the allure of Gundog Supply, and And you'll, you'll hear it absolutely 100% in, in my interview with Steve today. He's a, uh, he's a guy that he, especially from an upland hunting perspective, uh, he uses the products. He, he's an upland hunter. And uh, we had a fun conversation. We talked about a lot of stuff, a lot of the gear that's on the market right now. It's It's heavily oriented maybe to GPS collars because that's such a big thing going on in the industry right now. But I think if you are a, bird dog owner, Upland Hunter, you're going to find this conversation very interesting. So with all that said, I want to get right into today's interview and I'd like to welcome to the Project Upland podcast, Steve Snell of Gundog Supply. All right, and we are now joined by Steve Snell of Gun Dog Supply. Steve, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well, Steve. Thank you, and uh, it's uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the Project Upland podcast. We appreciate you taking the time and joining us, and uh, I think uh, with Christmas right around the corner and, and lots of people, uh, lots of Upland hunters and, and uh, dog trainers with their Christmas list full, I think this will be a fun conversation. Sure. So uh, where I want to start is, uh, I know from, uh, from uh, listening to you a little bit on the uh, the Ron Bames hunting dog podcast a couple of years ago I think uh, that that you are you are an upland hunter yourself. Um I am. So I guess uh you must be uh it must be still be bird season down there in Mississippi, isn't it?
1: It is. Um we really don't have a huntable wild bird population in Mississippi. Um I do a uh, little bit of duck hunting here um but most of my uh most of my upland hunting is done in Texas uh at this time of year uh we 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 quail hunt in texas um we we hunt in uh montana and sometimes the dakotas uh nebraska kansas um parts of the time but uh but once usually around when uh when quail season opens in texas that's where you're going to find me
0: jerry sure, yeah a, uh, I, I, i'll go ahead
1: well I'm, I'm a quail hunter primarily everything else okay. i do is uh is waiting for quail season
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh you know i think as, as upland hunters we all we all have our uh we've got our whether it's your first love or or your true love we we've all got sure. one for sure so if you use this quail that's uh i get it but uh yeah i remember that from the hunting dog podcast you do some hunting down in texas so what uh so i'm i mean you know we're in december now and and uh, a lot of the a lot of the hunting seasons have played out for for most of us what uh what did sure. you find this year when you were out there did you uh ups downs Goods, bads, um
1: always. we hunted montana um i i would say um pretty bad drought uh it was below average um but we found birds everywhere we went so it's, it's hard to complain about that um yeah the drought was pretty bad up there um we ended up skipping south dakota um at least from a sharp tail standpoint um kind of for the same reason um, um i haven't hunted south dakota heavily in, in a couple of years um but uh um, we've been focusing on Montana, and then uh, Texas has been really good the last four years. It was phenomenal, um, especially last year. And so, uh, usually November in Texas is kind of hard to hunt. It's usually very hot, and okay. uh, and for years I've been hunting in Texas about 25 years, and as a general rule, I didn't go in November. But the last, I guess, the last four years, I've been hunting in November uh, mainly. We've been hunting a lot of new ground, and uh, and just taking time to learn it um so uh I mean, and it's been a really we we've been very fortunate this year. Big parts of Texas don't have the kind of bird numbers that they had, had we we didn't have we didn't have the kind of hatch in Texas this year that we that we've been having. And uh um but uh, I'm I'm fortunate my the ground that I'm hunting on we still have uh, um really good bird numbers. So uh, so it's been a good been a good year so far but we're we're just getting really geared up. Um um Texas for me is is January and February um so we still got we still got a long way to go um season wise where where you know big part of the country is done but uh but we're just getting started good in uh, in our part of the world
0: okay cool yeah all right yeah that's what I was that's what I was curious about i guess i guess if i think about it i've got some i've got some friends that they do uh they do a coil trip to texas in sure. in Jan- january so yeah that makes sense that uh seasons are kind of kind of winding up down there right now
1: yeah, usually December and January are the best for, for, for Texas weather-wise. Um, but, uh, this year December's still been pretty hot, uh, for us. Uh, I was out last week and, and actually had a pretty good week. We were able to hunt, uh, I hunted, it was a short trip, I only hunted five days, and we were able to, four of those five days we actually were able to hunt all day, which has been, been pretty rare, uh, so far this year. Um, it's been, been warmer than usual.
0: Yeah, I uh, I haven't uh, haven't had a chance to hunt Texas myself. I did uh did get to hunt woodcock in Louisiana last year, so I was close, okay. but uh, yeah. but not uh not quail in Texas yet. Yeah. That would be uh that'd yeah. be a fun trip. But I know when I was oh, down sure. there last year in January, um it was unseasonably warm temps and uh so the yes. the hunting wasn't as great and there was the uh the fear of snakes uh, with the warmer temps. So that was that was all new to me as a as a Northwoods grouse hunter. Yes. Yeah,
1: we get uh it can get uh especially Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, we can have days in the seventies. Um not not uncommon at all. You know our our winters can be really weird. We can have you know, you'd have a couple of days where it's in the seventies and then a couple of days where highs are in the thirties or forties.
0: And so uh so the weather the weather changes around here a good bit. Sure. Absolutely. What uh in, in Texas, what uh, <laughs> uh lands are you hunting? Is it mainly private, mainly public, a little bit of both? How is that? Most
1: especially west texas is extremely um private. Um, okay. there is very little public ground um that is that, that has quail on it. um texas has a pretty decent amount uh, for the size of the state they they don't have a lot of public ground compared sure. to um place especially places in the midwest or montana or the dakotas um uh texas has very little public land from that standpoint, and most of their public land is in East Texas, which does not have uh, huntable quail populations. Um, there are a couple of places. There are probably four decent places for, for public uh, hunting in Texas, but they get pounded pretty heavy. I used to hunt um, a couple of them, uh, Matador and uh, Gene Howe, up in the Panhandle, and uh, I hunted them probably 20-plus years ago. Um, but most of Texas nowadays is, uh, is leased ground. Um, and so, uh, I'm on a couple of different leases. Okay. So it's gotcha. a little, little different game from what we do. Um, you know, I, I love the, um, you know, Montana, I hunt all, all, uh, public ground. Uh, the yeah. Dakotas, I generally hunt all public ground. Um, you know, Kansas has got so much public ground. Um, so there's big part of the country. So Texas is a bit of an anomaly. They, uh, they, most of it's private.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've heard some of that, but again, like I said, have uh, haven't been able to get down there. But yeah, I know. I remember uh, when you, know, you mentioned uh East Texas doesn't have huntable quail populations, and I know from from uh, being around the American Woodcock Society and Rough Growl Society sure. that East Texas ac- is actually kind of a target for woodcock habitat development yes. because I I know they're there, and and it, I think a lot of people see potential there for for increasing that for woodcock wintering ground. Yeah.
1: I, I grew up quail hunting in Mississippi, and we we most most of the folks that, that hunt woodcock in, in Mississippi. Uh, there's probably more now that, that do, and, and Louisiana is is better. It used to be, it was something that we did alongside quail hunting. Um, we would, you know, we we hunt woodcock. We typically found woodcock while we were quail hunting, um, sure. but there's a bigger push, especially Louisiana. Um, there's a yep. good a good number of folks I think now that are uh, that are actively. Uh, you know hunting them and uh like i said i grew up um you know it was kind of a bonus bird for us um yep. yeah you know you had to watch it the seasons are the seasons are different and so you kind of it was one of those things you had to definitely pay attention to um right as far as uh knowing when it was open and when it was closed because it did not match up with quail season and so uh so that was something that we always paid real close attention to yeah, yeah But cool. uh, and uh you you run pointers right uh generally most most of my dogs right now are English pointers um I grew up with um my dad was a britney guy and uh okay. I grew up with britneys and uh I got into pointers in my 30s um I've got uh I've got labs I've got uh, I've got a britney right now I've got an English setter right now um I generally have short hairs but I don't have any short hairs right now um so okay. I a little bit of everything but uh, but uh, I'm a I'm a at heart I'm a pointer guy sure
0: sure Excellent. Yeah, I rem- remember uh, remember you you telling some stories on the hunting dog podcast about that. But uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned your your dad is kind of a Brittany guy, and that's uh, oh, a yeah. it's, it's a good segue for uh, my next question. I want to want to find out a little bit. You know, how did uh, obviously you're an upland hunter today, and it's and it's developed into uh, a career and a business for you. But where did it where did it all start? And uh, and oh. kinda how did that lead into Gun Dog Supply?
1: Well, my my dad was a quail hunter from from way back, uh, and uh, he actually my my parents started the company in '72, oh, okay. um, and so yeah, he uh, and he was a quail hunter, and that's that's all he did um, as far as from a hunting standpoint. Um, and we had we had huntable quail populations. Uh, I, I started I'm I'm 47. I started quail hunting in '81 um, when I was 11, um, and I you know I remember very clearly waiting on him to come home and. Uh, helping them clean birds as a you know, as a as a younger child, but I started I so I started in the early eighties, which was really the end of uh um of, of decent populations here. Uh we had a lot of uh, I grew up hunting uh international paper land. Most of the land that I hunted you could buy a permit and you could hunt uh I P cutovers. <laughs> and uh so that's what that's what I grew up hunting um but never we didn't have a, an enormous bird population back then. I mean it was you know a good day when I was twelve thirteen was four or five cubbies you know in a day um by the nineties it had gotten really bad uh down to the point where if we found a covey a day um you know, we felt like we had accomplished something. Um, and that was the point where, where we started to, that was the point where we started to travel because it had reached a point where it had gotten so bad that, uh, that it was hard to keep good dogs. Um, and so we started, uh, we started hunting Texas in, in the early nineties and, uh, I've kind of spread it out since then. And, uh, like I said, we, you know, we, we, went up to the Dakotas early. Um, and now, you know, now we go to Montana in September and, uh know, just sort of work our way south, uh, depending on sure. how the weather is and where the bird populations are. Um I'm I'm fortunate that I get to uh that I get to hunt a good bit and uh and so uh so we, we go as much as we can. Yeah. But uh he yeah, like said he, he, he you know he was a quail hunter and uh and got me addicted to it and uh <laughs> and I like I said I I, I don't do I, I really don't do anything else. Um I'll duck hunt a little bit, um but uh uh, but I'm not at heart. I'm not a I'm not a duck hunter. Um, at heart, I'm a quail hunter, and so uh, um, so I'll, I'll go a couple times a year if, if the opportunity presents itself. And I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. Um, and everything that I've done with dogs, I enjoy. But, yeah. uh, but it always comes back. It always comes back to, to upland birds for me.
0: Yeah, excellent. And so okay. So you mentioned that. So your your uh, your parents actually started Gun Dog Supply. So that that yep. was uh, that had to be. Uh, I think you said the 70s. That that was uh, that was obviously oh, yeah. before before uh, internet sales. So did it very start much, as very a much. did it start as a storefront and and kind of how has it well, evolved you know, over time? It
1: actually started as they they started actually from a manufacturing standpoint. My my father okay. and my brother had a feed store um, and they were looking to to add some stuff to it and uh, um, that that sort of dissolved in the in the mid 70s. Uh, and we did some manufacturing and we did some wholesale. Um, I said we, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a child. Of <laughs> uh, but my my parents did that, and they uh, they advertised in a lot of the magazines, American Field, uh, Field and Stream, um, and eventually started getting phone calls. People wanted to come see their you know their showroom. Well, we didn't have a showroom. Uh, we were working out of a little warehouse <laughs> uh, in the '80s, they they ended up building a showroom, and uh, by the mid '80s, we were really more of a retail business. Uh, we, we we sold a lot of dog food. It still had a mail-order component, but it it wasn't a big part of it. Like I said, by the uh, mid-'80s to mid-'90s, we were more of a retail business. Um, In the mid-'90s, we actually had a PetSmart open up um, across the highway from us. At this time, we were located in Ridgeland, Mississippi, which is uh, um, about 120 miles south of where we are now. We're in Starkville. And, uh, we, we were competitive with them, but it was, it was very difficult, uh, for us because we were primarily in the dog food business. And at that point, we decided to get back into mail order. Um, my father and I had started, uh, you know, we'd started hunting in Texas and we started to see, you know, how many, how many hunters there were out there. And, uh, mm-hmm. so he, he kind of decided it was time to move back in that direction. Um, and we, we started a catalog again and, um, about '96, um, the internet started to sort of happen, which this is really on the early side um, when you look at you know at, at, at internet businesses. We, we yeah. kind of got in very very early compared to, to most folks. Um, my brother uh, uh, learned how to develop and, and built us a very simple web page, and uh, and it, it took off almost immediately. Um, at this point i wasn't really involved i was i was my, my brother and i had a couple other companies and so i wasn't really involved with the day-to-day of of dog supply at the time um we went online in 97 and within about a year it had gotten out of hand to the point where my parents really couldn't handle the, the volume that we were doing at that time and uh, my brother and i were looking for something new to do so we came back in and started to help them and uh by '90 Late '98, early '99, I was doing it full time, and uh, have been, you know, pretty much spent my full time since then. Um, and we've, it's grown pretty drastically over over that period of time. And uh, but we're primarily primarily an internet business. Uh, we have a we have a retail uh, store, um, but uh, but it's a it's a small component sure and so we're uh, we're in the mail of business we're actually about to move we uh we've just we just bought a new facility in a town right that's next door to starkville and we're in the process of uh of moving to that and doing some more expanding so it's been a it's been quite a ride and uh we really enjoy it it's uh, it's it's quite a passion for me i i get to i get to talk about dogs and deal with dog stuff and you know i i get to, to uh, play with gear and, and i get to call hunting work and uh, so it's uh <laughs> I, i'm very fortunate it's been a lot of fun
0: yeah that's uh that's that's a cool story i didn't know that i didn't know the the the, the sort of the his, history and the development of it i mean family owned and operated for a long oh, sure. time and how you guys have evolved into you know the changing marketplace i mean that's very very cool that's something that if you just stumbled upon gun doc supply you might not might not know that right oh anymore. sure but yeah, that's you know, I my perception of Gundog Supply was that you were uh mainly an internet business. So so that uh-huh. that is that is the case, but obviously you've got a warehouse and you've got uh headquarters there in Starkville and that's that's cool. Yeah,
1: we we don't we 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 warehouse uh about 95% of what we sell. I'm I'm not a real big fan of dropshipping and we have a few products that we uh that we do dropship, but the majority okay. of what we do, we warehouse ourselves. Um we do our own customer service, I mean everything's in-house. And so we we try to have I'm a, I'm a little bit of a control freak, and I like to have everything, you know, in in one spot. And so uh I find that that works best for us. So we've got a very talented crew of folks that work for us and uh they they do a they do a great job. We we try to be very customer focused and uh lots of product knowledge and um just staying on top of uh staying on top of what's going on and helping folks Pick the right stuff, and you know, and, and helping them troubleshoot it when there are issues.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a absolutely true. I, know, I mean, for for anybody listening that that isn't familiar with Gundog Supply or uh, hasn't uh, hasn't ordered something from you guys, I mean, I will I will wholeheartedly agree with that. You, your customer service focus, absolutely. You know, when I've I've sent a, a handful of emails over the years since I got into my first pointing dog about three years ago and, and it's, you know, usually the response time is, is minutes as opposed to hours. And, uh, and that's, you know, always appreciated. And, and, you know, I've, uh, everyone, you know, you, you never know who you're going to get on the email, but I but I've seen emails from you, Steve, and I've seen emails from everybody else. You know, you're, t- you're emailing back and forth with a real person, and uh, something something that I certainly appreciate as far as a sure. customer service experience, and I love that about Gundog But The other thing that I think is is very cool, and you kind of touched on it that you know you get to play with gear, but you guys are great about doing video reviews of, you know, new products, and and that's you know, in, again in. Today's today's marketplace. That's important because we sure. we want We want to see what we're going to get. We want to we want to see somebody take it out of the box and touch all the buttons and all the different features. And and I know you you do a lot of those videos and and that's uh, that's pretty helpful. I mean, what kind of led you into that side of things?
1: Um, my brother is a bit when he was a kid. He always wanted to be. Rob and I are partners. We we, we own the company now. My uh um my father passed away in two thousand three, and my mother. Uh, we bought my mother out not too long after that and uh, so robs the the part of the uh, equation that a lot of folks don't know um, yeah. but he's uh, he always wanted to be a movie maker that was something he was always into and he he's <laughs> he's real big into into that and so it was one of those things that when it presented itself with an opportunity we started going that way um and 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 basically what it's just one of those things where there was a long time where where internet speeds just weren't fast enough to do decent video, and we've yeah. kind of passed you know that point now, and it's reached the point where that's what folks want to see. Um, I can write, you know, and I've, I've sometimes you'll run across some of the stuff, and I, I like to write these long, long articles on how to do stuff, and that's great, but folks are getting the attention spans are getting you know shorter, and yeah. want to, they want to see it, you know, they want to see it, and it, and video is really the easiest way for me to say, okay, well, here's how this does this, and uh, so we started. Uh, Um, we started doing a little bit and then we started doing a little bit more and then it just sort of turned into, uh, into something that, uh, that now I'll have folks that will email me and go, Hey, you've got this new product, but there's not a video with it yet. You know, what what are you doing a video of it? We, we see a good bit of that. Um, it's actually one reason I'm really excited about our new move because we're gonna actually have we're getting a studio. We're having a studio built into you know, into the building. Where right now we don't have that. And and getting a video set up is real difficult. Um, and so uh so I'm looking forward to having a permanent place where we could do that and we're we're our plans are to do a good bit more. Um, because it's uh something I enjoy doing and it it it, it really I think that, that our customers enjoy it. and I think it's it's one of the most beneficial things that we can do. Um so it's just been kind of a combination of things. Uh um, Rob's, you know, always been fascinated by it and, uh, and and is really good at it. And uh and I enjoy talking about stuff. So uh so it's uh, it's been a good combination for us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it works works very well. That's cool. I'll uh, be excited to to see the new new uh new digs sure. new studio. That'll be it'll yeah. uh, be awesome. Um, all right, next question for you. Um yeah. I I I mentioned to you I've got some I've got some sort of uh I asked people to send in questions about gear that yeah. they wanted to talk about, so we'll get to that quickly. But first, okay. I just wanted to sort of get, you know, from a high-level standpoint, right. and maybe, uh, maybe I should ask you this first. I, do you, like, as far as a sense of your guys' customers, how does it shake out as far as... You know, because I, I come, I obviously come at Gundog Supply, and, you know, it's right. in your name, Gundog, from, from the upland hunting standpoint of things, but I know that you sell to all different demographics. Oh, yeah. So what's, what's, uh, kind of the shakedown and what really fuels, fuels the business? Um, you know, it, we're very fortunate.
1: Um, I always, I think of us as an upland and waterfowl company. That is, okay. that is what, that, that's what, in my brain, that's what we always were, because those are the areas that I see. In reality, that's not even close to true. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, we're fortunate. and It's very fortunate. We're we're very fortunate that we're split out, um, and and we've made some changes over the years to kind of benefit that. Um, you know, I I've coon hunted a little bit, um, but it is not my. And I can see it when I when I go and do it, and I, I hang out with the guys that work for me. That that's what their passion is. I can see where they love it, and I can identify it. But it's not me. Um, and so I don't, I don't, I don't try to, you know, I don't try to pretend even, even back in the days when I was handling the majority of the phone calls, you know, I can talk to you about the gear, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you that, that I, you know, I, I, like I said, I know enough to have a conversation about it, but I'm not yeah. going to try and present myself as an expert on that. So now we have a lot of guys that work for us. We have a sales staff. And they're more of a product staff than they are sales staff. Um, but I, I have guys that are product knowledge guys and they're all dog owners and they're all passionate about their hunting. And we've got retrievers guys and we've got rabbit guys and we've got, uh, guys that, that, that do all sorts of hound work. Um, I've got uh, one of my guys that, that's very passionate about bobcat hunting is, is one of his big things right now. So so we've got a widespread of guys that, that work for us um that that are very passionate about their you know about their dogs. Um yeah. and so that that plays a role. So we're actually you know, like said, people might they come to us and they think, Oh well you're this or you're that. We're really not, in that uh, we have an enormous amount of upland customers and an enormous amount of waterfowl customers, but we also have an enormous amount of rabbit and, and hound guys. Um, yep. Squirrel dogs are real big with us, um, and then we actually have a pretty large uh, segment of non-hunting customers, um, a lot I bigger than most yep. would think. Yeah, um, it's hard to find high-quality gear in the pet market, um, yep. especially especially for bigger dogs. And so uh, we sell it. In, we, we we have a really large, uh, you know, chunk of uh, of just you know your regular pet owners that are just looking for high-quality stuff. And so uh, we try to segment out our customers, and we you know we have we have different email groups. So you know we 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 let folks self select you know with, if they're on our, our our weekly email stuff, and sure. so that way you know I can send you Upland emails, and, and if you're on the Upland list, you know you're going to get stuff that's really focused on that. But if you're a hound guy, you know you're on a whole totally different list, and we we gear that you know in a in a different way. So we try to we try to focus on the passions that our customers have, and we try to have the right. Right, uh, you know, customer service folks that that uh, that understand that, and the right product guys that understand that, um, because I, you know, I reached a point where it it gotten to where it was hard for me to, um, you know, for me to keep up with all of it. And like I said, you know, I've got a guy that 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 rabbit dogs are his passion. And if you we have a customer, we can match, you know, you up to the guy that uh, that knows what you're doing, and he can help you best. Um, and it also helps me because I can evaluate stuff and, 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 you know, if we, we have a product that, that is more geared toward, you know, that discipline, then I have some people, you know, that work for me that, that, that that's what they do. Yep. And so, uh, that's kind of the, the way we're, the way we're headed because we're really not, um, um, you know, we're not just, you know, we don't just do this. Um, and so, uh, so it's been, it's actually been great for me, um. To have you know the guys that that, that I have that work for me, um, because it allows us to focus on other stuff.
0: Yeah, so yeah, we well, that's a, that's that's excellent. Yeah. I mean, especially in 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 you know this this particular industry, this particular marketplace. I mean, it helps sure. to have when you a lot of times you know it's not like just going to the store and asking somebody about a product. I mean, you need to talk to somebody that understands what you're doing oh, sure. in, in the yeah. woods. And so so having having the right staff and the right people to to sort of like you like you said, you know, understand exactly what that gentleman or, or woman is doing in the woods. I mean, that's that's uh, that's an important piece of the customer service as far as that goes. But all right, so all right, so we got that out of the way. So now let's from a from an upland hunting standpoint, because this is an upland uh, upland hunting podcast. Sure. Give me your because I imagine you know just doing what you guys do. You're you're pretty in tune with the industry and and what's going on. What's kind of your high level view of, of sort of the upland hunting industry as far as it comes to gear you know especially you know dog related stuff and kind of where are we at and and where where are we going if, if you can if that makes any sense um
1: you know the the I guess the thing that's changed the most in the last ten years is going to be the GPS technology yep. um, and uh, still not you know you still have an enormous amount of upland guys that have not uh have not used it um yep but uh but it's really it's made just a gigantic difference in how I hunt um uh, you know especially and uh and that that's probably the biggest you know biggest thing that's going on i uh, you know i grew up hunting with bells yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's what our dogs wore in the, in the, in the, in the woods here. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a flawed technology. I, I still love it, but, you know, it was the, <laughs> you know, you keep up, you keep up with that sound and, uh, you know, and I was, I was pretty good at it. You know, I could, I could locate a dog, but then you know, I, I was, we were talking the other day about losing dogs and, uh, I had a dog that, you know, he was on point and we couldn't find him and it took us about a week, you know, to find him, um, Jeez. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that was that was probably thirty plus years ago. Um, you yeah. know, it's amazing yeah. to me that we didn't lose more dogs back when we were just using bells. Um, yeah. Really amazing to me. At uh, it, it, sometime after that, especially when we started hunting in Texas, you know, we moved to beepers. Um, had a dog that probably the I, I get a lot of folks that are that are upland guys that say, "Well, my dogs are close working dogs. I don't need GPS," mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I have several responses for that. Um, uh, first dog that we really lost when we were away from home it was about 850 miles from home. Um, it had a little dog that is the closest working dog I've ever owned. Her name was Maggie. And, uh, Maggie, in, in hunting Texas, probably eight, nine years, Maggie pointed one covey of quail in the, the nine years that she got to hunt in Texas. Um, which doesn't sound very good, but the problem was, is that, that Maggie didn't get far enough away from you. Every other dog was on point. Maggie got to back a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now, Maggie was a bird-finding machine. Dead birds, we'd lose a bird. You know, Maggie found every dead bird that we had on the ground. She got to go every round because she'd find every dead bird. Uh, and she was murder on singles. Um, I never hunted pheasants with her, but she was she would have been a great pheasant dog. Um, you know, just just real busy. Um, well, one day, big dogs 300 yards out goes on point, and uh, we can see her, and we all start going that way. And Maggie turns to the left on a scent and keeps going. And 30 minutes later, you know, my dad goes, where's Maggie? And... She's gone. Uh, and this is one of those dogs where you called home that night and said, hey, we we lost Maggie. And my mother's response was, well, don't come home until you find her. <laughs> yeah. So that was, uh, and four days later, we got lucky, and somebody found her about 15 miles from the last place we had seen her
0: well wow. um
1: yeah so so that was the point we did started running telemetry, which was nowhere near very few bird dog guys were doing telemetry, but it was it was the best option that we had at the time um you know right. radio radio telemetry which uh and we did that for a long time and and it was it was a much more complicated thing g p s is so easy to use um to the point that you kind of have to be careful about it um um i've I've got an article about about losing your ability to keep up with dogs. Um, you become real dependent on the technology, and uh, I had to train myself, again, how to keep up with your dogs. You know, you hunt in the woods, and you, you, you hunt out with your dogs, and you, you have that sort of that vision of, okay, well, you know, I saw him over here. The last time I saw him, he was moving in this direction, so he should be out over here. You know, I think yep. there's a natural ability to a guy that spends time in the woods with his dogs where he has a general feel for where they are. GPS can wreck that if you're not careful. Yeah. Um, and you walk around. You're walking around looking at a screen all the time, and it, it, it's not really, you know, not really what we're looking for. Um, so you, you have to watch yourself on that. But, but you know, the the fact that that I don't have to worry about, um, you know, the fact that I don't have to worry about losing a dog changes the way that I feel when I'm hunting. Um, it's one of those things where they, when they go over the hill, I'm not as concerned about not being able to find them. Um, I've seen a couple of things over the years of, of dogs falling in you know wells and uh you know getting trapped in areas and and gps allows you to locate them um i've had a couple of situations between myself and some friends where we've had dogs that have you know that have died in the field um which is a you know something that that's really tragic but it yep. you know um I, I you know we're we're having that ability to you know to find them i had a dog about 10 years ago that that sliced open the front artery on his leg crossing a barbed wire fence and I got lucky, I was standing there with him. Had to leave a dog in the field to get, you know, as I'm taking him to the vet. And um and I was able to save him. I got him to the vet and they got him patched up. But the other dog's on the ground for three hours while I'm gone. Wow. Um, and yeah, and I you know, and I come and I, I come back to the area, I'm about ten miles away, and I get back to the area and I turn on my GPS and I get a tracking signal on her and she's on point. Well <laughs> well 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 no wait. On point just means the dog stopped. Sure, and we sure. happened to, this lease happened to be up close to a highway. And, uh, and, and from where I was, it looked like she was on the highway. And it wow. looked to me like she had gotten through the, one of the fences and gotten hit on the road. That's, that's what my initial thought was. Ooh, and as I'm yeah. driving to her, the closer I get, the more I'm like, oh, maybe not, maybe not. And I pass her and she's, you know, 150 yards out, you know, uh, off the highway. And when I get to her, she actually is on point um but uh but it's one of those things where I was able to leave her and I was able to find her without yeah. uh, without a lot so so you know g p s is one of those things that uh that's really to me has made a gigantic difference in it um and it's it's changed it's changed a lot of things um as far as being able to evaluate dogs um I look back over dogs that i had uh you know uh, fifteen years ago dogs that I thought weren't as good as they were they just you know i just didn't know what they were doing. Mm. Um, now you know gps gives you that ability to know what's going on um and to evaluate a dog in a way that's uh you know that, that you couldn't do before so I, I think it's a gigantic deal um I, there's been a lot of folks especially you know a lot of folks that find um if i had to say anything about the, the gps technology is that right now it's still a little more complex than i would like for it to be and uh, we have spent a good bit of time working with, with several of the companies that, that do it especially garmin um trying to, to to get a better, you know, a better concept of what folks are looking for, and, and an easier way to track. And uh, I have looking forward to some of the stuff that's coming in the future. Um, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really neat. Um, but I, I do, I do caution folks. You know, it, it, it will change the way that you change the way that you do a lot of things, um, and you kind of have to be careful about some of them. Um, you know, to the point Alex like said, I, I at one point I even kind of lost my ability to keep up with my directions in the woods, and uh, that that was a scary sort of thing. Um so I I love the technology but I I also like to not be, you know, 100% dependent on it. Um you know from there it 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 just sort of depends. Um you know there's a lot of other, you know, other stuff that that I see nowadays from, you know, from pr- protective gear for the dogs. Um there's an enormous amount of uh, you know, of of the the vests that we sell and the boots that we have nowadays and uh, you know, that that type of stuff which was a little foreign to me uh Growing up, you know, it wasn't something that we ever thought of.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and nowadays, you know, um, I don't go anywhere without boots. Um, I, I try not to boot a dog if I can, if I can help it. Um, sure. It's, uh, it's something I'd love to avoid, but I don't go anywhere without them because you never know. Especially like, like out west, sand spurs are a big deal. Um, the other, you know, the other side too is if you have a dog that, that tears a pad, um, you know, it can shut them down. Some dogs, um, you put a boot on them and it's like nothing's even happened. You know, and it can save yeah. a trip. Um so I'm I'm a big fan of of, of having, you know, that kind of type of stuff with you. Um and, and and visibility too, that's another factor. Um and then you know, and then protection. Um it's gotta be pretty cold for an upland dog to need a vest from you know, from that standpoint. And now yeah. you're part of the world, you know, a little more common, you know. I'm I i I'm not I'm not cut out for hunting in uh you know, I try to be, you know, in the south when November hits. <laughs>
0: um,
1: I am I am not cut out for Minnesota this time of year. Um that is not uh not in my blood so uh um <laughs> but i carry- like i said i I carry as much of that stuff with me as i can um just because yeah. uh you know having that ability to protect the dog um and, and increase the visibility too um I think that's a big deal um in a in a lot of situations, so you know that kind of stuff um you know I don't know if we'll see any gigantic breakthroughs um sure. You know, I think we'll see some. I think we'll see some, some changes in some of the technology. Um, you know, the e-collar technology right now is is uh, is really good. Um, you know, uh, Garmin's done a lot of really nice stuff, and it's challenged some of the other manufacturers, which has been a great thing um you know we're seeing some of the other manufacturers step up with with some new stuff um and i a couple of new things that are coming out um i don't think they're public knowledge yet but uh but there's some new stuff coming out in the spring um cool. that'll be announced probably in january um so so there's always some some new stuff on the you know on the horizon Yep.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's great. I, you know, I had a feeling when I asked you that question, we would certainly talk about GPS stuff. And oh, yeah. I kind of had kind of mentioned that I, I got my first, I've been grouse hunting for, since I was 10 years old, so, you know, over 20 years, but a lot of that was without a dog, and, and it wasn't sure. until three, three years ago I got my first pointing dog. So I, I really jumped into it, you know, in the GPS era, and the first, uh, the first collar I bought for my dog was the Garmin Alpha. So I, I started with that right out the gate, and, and, you know, I've learned now in the, in three years that, uh, you know, again, like you mentioned, you know, you can become dependent on that technology, and, you know, I still have a, I've got a a, a compass with me because I don't want to sit sure. and look at a GPS, you know, in case case you, in case the, the battery dies. Obviously, you've got to be prepared with that stuff, and, and I like how you described the, you know, where you spend, spend enough time in the woods and your dog's moving around, like, you really do develop that sort of visual, you know,
1: sort of oh, yeah. field of,
0: of where the dog is, especially in grouse cover because, you know, you can't can't see as far, but, um, yeah, it's, this 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 year actually after three years my uh, my original TT15 collar actually went down on me and so I sure. I spent a I spent a weekend in the woods without the GPS collar and that was kind of like it was kind of like wake up call you know because yes. that you just that peace of mind that you have with with uh, with the, any GPS collar is just it's so it, it's there in the back of your mind but when it's gone you you really notice it yeah. and, and you know. Thing that my, myself and, and a, a good hunting partner of mine, we always say, you know, it's, I mean, it's really the cheapest insurance policy you can buy for a dog, and and just, oh, you know, you, you brought up a couple stories where it's like, without that GPS, you, you're not going to be able to drive right back to a, to oh, a sure. dog that you had to leave for three hours and, and recover no. necessarily. So, we were
1: out last week, and, and one of the guys I was with turned a young dog out without anything on, and we had, you know, we had GPS right with us, you know, yeah. and uh, and I was just like, what are we doing? You know, and he ended up, you know, he got away from us for a little bit, and there was that period of going, oh no, yeah. and we got, you know, we found him relatively fast, and it wasn't that big of a deal. But uh, I, I, I try to avoid doing that. You know, if uh, if it, it, it's just easy to turn, you know, it's easy to strap collar on him and turn it on, and you know, yep. and uh, and if you need it, great, and if you don't, you know, no big deal. Um, yep. And I don't mind, like I said, the folks that like to be a little more traditional about it. I have no problem whatsoever. Go ahead and put that collar on that dog and, and get that get that signal. And if you want to leave the handheld in your car, you know, and you want to sure. old school it, go right ahead. But put, put that collar on that dog, and yeah. if you need it, you know, it's there. That's kind of the way I've always felt about it. Um, it's just too easy to do. And, uh, you know, and, and most of the folks that we deal with nowadays, um, especially um, – especially, you know, especially in our upland hunters, you know, dogs part of the family. Um, you know, and that's true. That's true on a lot of the disciplines, but, you know, uh, um, you know, there's not a dog in my crew that, uh, you know, that, that I would, you know, um, leaving them out overnight is just not an option. And that's just not something that I'm comfortable with. So, so we, uh, the technology is there and it's great.
0: All right. So, now we'll, we'll we'll slide into a couple of the questions that uh, that I got from people, and uh, okay. I, I I think you'll you'll think this is kind of funny because I I posted a, on Facebook and I asked people to suggest you know if they had questions about existing gear or stuff they currently sure. owned or, or maybe stuff okay. they were thinking about it you know send those questions along and and it. 99% of the responses that I got from people were, they were looking for a piece of gear that did not exist Okay. in that the, the marketplace, the marketplace, whatever was on the market was not good enough. And it was always, can we add this feature or that feature? And I, sure. I do that. I do that myself and I'm sure that you oh, guys yeah. see that a lot. And it's, it, I don't know if it's the upland hunter in us, but it's, you know, we're always yeah. trying to improve things. And I just, I had to laugh cause I thought it was funny, but the, the number one, the number one question that I got and. in, in Keep in mind, I run in a circle of grouse hunters, so that probably sure. has something to do with this. I know you've got this question before, but the GPS collar does, is not compatible with a beeper. And yeah. the, and uh, at least the noisy, noisy grouse hunters, we want yeah. to see that. And well, I, I, think, I, I think I even emailed you about this a couple of years ago, and I know yeah. that we're, we're a small contingency, and, and you know, but maybe you can just sort of speak to that and sort of the current state I, of that. I have
1: failed you completely (laughs) i have tried so hard to get this added and i don't know why i can't get it done Um, part of the part of the issue um part of all right right, first off we're, we're having a hard time getting good beepers right now and that's because of gps um there's still some being made um, but, yep. you know, if you have a good beeper that you love, or if there's one on the market that you love, you should buy an extra one yep. because, you know, it, it's one of those things that, uh, um, that, that it's just getting ground out by, you know, by, by, you know, technology. Yep. Um, the biggest issue right now, there's, there's two issues that, that have kept, um, and I'll pick on Garmin, um, because Garmin makes a beeper and they make GPS, yep. Yep. um, the, the issue is that the two pieces are not compatible as far as the radio signals that that, that they use. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the beeper that's on the market right now is, is still based off of something that Tritronics was doing, and it's designed to communicate with the e-collars. And the mm-hmm. e-collars work off of a different frequency spectrum than the alpha does. So there's, that, there's a communication issue there. Um yeah. And so the the other issue is that you've got a space problem as far as the size of to have the 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 GPS and to have the uh the GPS antenna if you look at your alpha collar um with adding a beeper onto that and then getting it tight enough for you to have everything there's a bit of a space issue i'm not going to say it can't be done cuz i know it can yeah. be done it's just there's a yeah. bit of a space issue there but we have not been successful in convincing the manufacturers that the market's big enough for that um yeah. and uh you know and it's one of those things and it's it's rare for me i i ran beepers for a long time and uh it, it was a love hate relationship for me um because you know they, they gave you information that you needed, but it also sounded like there was a garbage truck backing up while your dog's on point, and uh, it always kind of ruined the experience for me. So when I got the opportunity to get away from them, I got away from them as fast as possible. Um, but Grasswoods is a whole different ball game compared to mm-hmm. to where you know to where I hunt, in that that you can't you, your your ability to see that dog at a distance, especially early season, is so limited, um, and you're dealing with you know, if my dog's on point, pretty much he's going to be, you know, the closest he's going to be to me is 50 or 75 yards, and he's more likely going to be 100 to 200 yards away from me. Um, so i got plenty of time to go, oh, okay, he's over here, and, you know, and walk in that direction. Um, yep. Grouse hunt a whole different ballgame. Um the, uh, we, there's a new product that's in development right now, and I thought as it was being laid out that I was like, this is going to be perfect and we're going to be able to work this out. And we got about halfway into the, 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 the discussion of the development, and I, and I just assumed it was going to happen. And we even talked about it happening, and then come to find out it's just not compatible. Um, ah. And like I said, it, it, it's that. It's a, it's a radio frequency thing. Um, yep. We have spoken to the other companies about it. All, all three major companies that are making GPS devices right now, which would be uh, Garmin, Dog and uh, Dogtra, um, yep. are aware of the demand for it. Um, all three of them, I think, question the size of the market, which yep. I, I find a little insulting. Um, <laughs> I'm still working on it. I just, I, yeah. I, I don't feel, you know, I don't feel great about it happening, but I know there are people that want it and I understand why.
0: Well, we, uh, we appreciate that Steve's not sure. gun dog supplies in our corner. I appreciate that. I <laughs> am. Me I, you, I, man, I mean, I, 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 t- I totally wholeheartedly understand that, yeah. you know, it's, we're talking about such a specialized use too, because we, yep. you know, oh, yeah. we've got you know we're grouse hunters, and so we wanna we want a beeper that yeah. we can control with the remote because we don't want to run it all the time. You know, it's I can go buy a Garmin G 3 beeper and put it on point only mode, and yep. but but I just you know you, it's like you said. You that's not what you want. I don't, I don't want I don't want to hear the beeper yeah. unless no. I absolutely yeah. am within 30 yards of my dog and I can't see him. I want to hit that beeper once and be like, bam, there he is. I understand. Yep. That's what everybody's like. I know you get I, it and.
1: But I, I fail you, small like that. I, I, I have been, I have been, I have been talking. It's like talking to a wall sometimes. Cause like I said, yeah. the GPS guys don't think it's necessary. They just like, right. on, why, why would you want that? You have GPS, and I'm like, Correct. no, it's the we want the visual. You know, we want to be able to to not have to look at something. We want to be able to do it by sound. So I understand it completely, and I I just haven't been able to get it done, and I, yep. I it, it 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 is a struggle. I will tell you that. But I'm not through. I will I will continue to work at it. Um, You'll keep fighting for us. I will try. I will try. All right. I
0: hope people want it. <laughs> well, all right. So, uh, kind of along those lines a little bit because oftentimes mm-hmm. when when us grouse hunters get in a room and we start we start arguing about that stuff. Um, yeah. you know, somebody will mention that obviously, you know, upland hunters are not the only end user of, of GPS and we know that. Obviously, oh, yeah. there's, there's there's houndsmen and there's lots of other people yep. that use it. Do you have a sense of cuz I mean, I do you have a sense of of who really drives that market, or how big each side of the, each piece of that puzzle is?
1: Uh, the Hound Guys are a much bigger part of the puzzle than than, than the, the Upland Guys were. Now, I will okay. tell you this: uh, you know, it was designed by Upland Guys. Sure. You know, um, that was that was who said, "Hey, this is what we need," um, and uh, and it would not exist if it wasn't for um, you know one particular Upland Guy. Um, you know, it's one of those <laughs> things where it, it's not a product that would have existed uh had enough one guy not said here do you know do it and do it like this um wow. but the hound market really drives it um it is a you know it is a giant and, that, that, and that's a big market you know there there there's there's a lot of different um a lot of different guys that are in the hound market but uh but it's a big sure. chunk of it um and you know and, and it's not that it's not that the other sides of it um, we sell a lot to search and rescue we sell um you know oh, yeah. not as many to the to the pet market but but the pet market's coming around um but uh, and, the, and the upland is a significant part of it. It's it's, it's not. There's actually um, there's actually like I said there's a there's a product in development right now that is a little more geared toward um, you know toward the upland guys. Um, mm. So it's not you know it's not at all. Um, um, it's not you know it, the upland side to me is very significant um, yeah. you know, part of it. Yeah. But 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 if push came to shove, you know the hound guys, you know th- there's a lot of them. It's a big big market.
0: And they got a lot of dogs.
1: And they got a lot of dogs, yeah, you know, and so you know, so they buy you know they buy a lot of units and a lot of collars, and uh, yeah. um, and so uh, and they're looking for something a little bit different, um. You know, you'll hear, you'll hear, you know, and, and you may not see it as much as the Upland guys, because the Upland guys were dealing with a couple of different collars. Um, I ran into it last week, because we had, we had some folks, I was in Texas, uh, and we had some guys from just South Georgia that came over, and, uh, we got some collar interference, and, um, and I don't mm. know if you've seen that before, um, but, you know, but basically, the guy, the Georgia guys had their collars set on a similar frequency to one of the guys from Texas, and the guys from Texas had never seen it before, well, the Hound guys deal with it every day. Um, because, you know, because you've got, you know, hundreds of dogs in some of these events and everybody's got, you know, garment collars on and there's only so many frequencies to go around. Yeah. Um, and like I said, the bird dog guys just don't run into that very often. You know, I see it every once in a while, um, when, when I'm hunting with somebody new or, uh, you know, one of my buddies, you know, adds a new collar and it, it interferes with one of mine. And it's an easy fix. Um, and, and there's only a few of us out there so we got plenty to, to pick from. But the hound guys yeah. are just covered up with, you know, they've got, they've, it's a constant problem with them.
0: How does that interference? Mind. How does it show itself?
1: Like, how do, you, um, how do you
0: know? Basically,
1: the handheld will pop up and say, "Hey, you've got a collar in okay. the area that's okay. interfering with this collar. Would you like us to make the change?" Got and it. so, yeah. what okay. it'll do is, you can do it by hand. You can go into the menu and you can you can automatically change it, or you can let the system do it and pick. Because you've got uh, it depends on which system you have, but uh, but basically, they're taking the MERS band and they're they're breaking it up into into. um You know, these different frequencies, and some of them are close enough to each other that they, it's not that that you can't track, it's just that that the the handhelds have a hard time reading which one's which, and so you're better off to be far away from them, And, and so what I tell folks, especially if you're hunting with somebody new or if they've got some new gear, is that you need to turn everything on. Um, at the truck before you leave, and make sure everybody's got a good signal, and that your handhelds aren't telling you there's a problem. Because uh, now with an alpha, it's not as big of a deal because your alpha can throw that signal a long way. You know, because it, your, your handheld is a transmitter, but if you're running an astro, I, like I run the Astro 430, um, and it is not a transmitter. So if there's a problem with my collar, I've got to deal with it. You know, while the collars in the 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 the, the Astros have a short range communication that they can do, so they have to be next to each other. Where with an alpha, you could fix it in the field if you need to. Um, but, you know, I always get frustrated when guys will turn their stuff on and turn their dogs out and never once look to see if they actually got a GPS signal. You know, those, yeah. those units need time to sync up. There's a lot going on there. So you want to make sure everything's on and that you've got a signal. And especially if you're hunting with somebody new. The same thing with e-collars. You know, it's rare nowadays for there to be interference between two e-collars. But if you've got somebody new that shows up, you know, you want to check and make sure that their collar's on a different frequency, especially if you're using the same collar. You know, sure. if you're both running sport pros, you know, you want to check and make sure that his collar's not, you know, not interfering with your collar. Um that's that's something to watch if you're hunting with other guys. If you're not hunting with you know, if if you're just out by yourself, it's not a big deal. It shouldn't be a problem. Yep. Um but it is something to keep an eye on. Um, cool. We don't okay. steal, well, you
0: know. so uh, all right, so since we're since we're kind of on the topic, yeah. um, I want to talk. I want to get your your thoughts and uh, if you've you know if you've had your hands on the uh, the Doctor Pathfinder because it's yeah. uh, significant uh, significant industry move. Something that I find very unique. Uh, uh, yep. One of the manufacturers taking advantage of uh, the smartphone that many of us carry in our pocket. Not everybody, but yep. many of us yep. carry in our pocket. And so they, they hit a lower price point and uh and you know they, they changed some things up with the GPS colour and we're we're gonna see more stuff like this, I I would imagine. Yeah. So so uh let's uh let's hear Steve's take.
1: Um you know, initially I was not thrilled with the idea. Um you know, uh mm-hmm. I I am almost abusive when it comes to gear. Um I I'm, I'm just I'm rough I'm rough on stuff and uh and I'm rough on my phone. Um so there were, there were things about it conceptually that I did not, you know, I didn't like. We were we were we got to work with Dogstar a little bit on the front end um as far as when when they were in the development of it and uh and there were a couple of things that that right off the bat that I was like, "Ooh, this is cool." Um, you know, you're dealing with – and so just if for folks to understand the technology, um, basically what's happening is you have a collar that the dog's wearing, and it is sending a signal to a handheld that you have. Um, but the handheld yes. that you have is not – doesn't have a screen, doesn't have really anything on it. Um, it's just a, a handheld receiver that's receiving a MERS-based signal uh, from the dog collar. So so the GPS is on the dog collar, and it's it's picking up the signal, and the handheld that you have is also GPS. Um, but it's also a, a mers based receiver. So the collar's throwing the signal. Once the, the collar knows its location, it's throwing a signal back to this handheld that you have. But this handheld has no screen; it can't tell you anything. It Bluetooths with your phone, yes. um, and 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 everything appears on the screen. So uh, technology-wise, it's very similar to what Garmin's doing and what SportDog's doing. Um, Sport dog uses a different frequency, but 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 Garmin's on the MERS and Dogtras on the MERS. Now they're not compatible, um, but they're using a similar you know frequency. Um, yep. The advantage that you have, there's a couple of advantages that you have. First thing most folks are going to see is price point. You're looking at um, four hundred dollars for a for a one-dog setup um, that does not include a cell phone. So that's everything that right, you right, need. And, yeah. and, you know, you can use, you know, your cell phone or you could even, you know, there's a lot of um, lower-priced um, – I have some guys that are using it that aren't using their personal phone. They just bought, you know, a, a, an inexpensive Android or uh, sure. they've got an older iPhone that they're using. Um, the Pathfinder does not use anything in the cellular network, um, so you don't have you can have, you can have a phone that doesn't have a Verizon contract or you know anything yeah. like that because you don't need that. It uh, um, your your uh, your maps um, you download those and Via so Wi-Fi. yeah if you're yeah. yeah now now if you're somewhere where you have a good cellular network um, you know where you're hunting you can you can get your your maps through the cellular network. But if you have a phone that is not part of the cellular network, but you have Wi-Fi, you can download the maps and you can save them on your handheld, and then you can use it, you know, out in the fields. We have a lot of folks that were like, "Well, where I hunt, there's not a cell phone signal." Well, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, the Pathfinder technology doesn't doesn't use that. Um, so there's a couple of things about it that I love. I, I love the price point. Um, I love the screen quality. Um, you know, especially on the newer phones. I mean, the image quality that you can get on a glass screen, you know, you've got this device, you know, we're, we're very spoiled when it comes to, you know, the technology that we have now. And yeah. so the map quality on the Pathfinder is, you know, awesome because it's the same, you know, it's the same stuff that you're getting um, off of your, you know, off of your phone. Um, So that's great. Um, And it's got a couple other little features that I like. Um, They've got a playback feature that's really, really cool. Um, Occasionally you'll have something that happens. I had a dog once that ran about 200 yards in a straight line, made a little bitty circle, and went on point. Um, and it was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. Um, and I just happened to catch it at the right time. Um, well, the way the, the way the Garmin stuff works, you can download that stuff, but you, you can't save a little piece right at that time. And, and the Pathfinder has this option where you can, you can take out little chunks and save them and play them back. Um, that's really cool. So there's several things about it that are really cool. Um, the the downside to it is to me that the phone part of it is the weak link um yeah. and so and there're ways around that um you know there's there's um my, like my phone's not waterproof now that that's becoming kind of you know we're, we're getting most of the newer phones that are coming out are at least water resistant um, right. so you 've got some of that um, battery life could be an issue on your phone, um, but there's ways around that you know a lot of phones have replaceable batteries a lot of phones you know you can get I, I use like a Mofi battery pack on my on my cell phone so there are ways around that um it 's one of those devices that uh that it just kind of depends um, I have some you know it 's been out in the market for a while now um, i guess we 're getting close to probably a year um, The people that love it love it. Um, you know and and i 've been very pleased with how it 's been received um i don 't think it 's like I said, it 's probably not the right device for me um, but uh but, like I said, the folks that love it absolutely love it, and i 've been very pleased with how it 's done for us. Um, and one thing I do cool. really like that, I like about it is you're talking about half the price. You know, um, you know, you're yep. talking about yep. $400. You know, an alpha right now, one dog alpha is going to run you 800 bucks where you can get a Pathfinder for four. So that's a big deal. Yeah. And in the upland market, especially for guys that have, that have kind of said, hey man, that's a lot of money, um, you know, it's $400 and you get a lot. They've got a version now that is a non-STEM. Um, they do have a, uh, um the, the original one that came out, you know, has, has an e collar functionality to it and they now have one that's um just a little bit less expensive um that is just tracking only. And so, yes. so you have that as an option also, um, but they've done really well for us um like i said it it has it has I've been pleased with with how they've sold um and i do I do believe that you are correct. I do believe that we're going to see more of that um you know and it's it's hard for folks to avoid it I mean you know you've got these really high end devices that the majority of us are carrying, and yep. uh you know I would love to see um you know some of the other companies interact with it at least somewhat um, yeah. The doctor's done a good job with that. Um like I said, we've 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 been pleased with it so far. Um and you know. So I'm not um I I've, I've heard some folks that have uh um hey, you know, you see stuff online and you know people Sure.
0: Yeah. Um
1: you know people that that aren't familiar with it. Like I said, I've used it. Um there's things about it I like. Um there's things about it that that don't really fit me. Um and so it's one of those devices that uh um uh, it just kinda depends. Um uh, depends on how you do it and, and what you like. Um, but I've been pleased with it as far as as far as it is what it is, you know, kind of thing. And uh and to me you do need to look at the phone from from that standpoint. I think if I was running one I would probably run it on a separate phone from my uh you know, from my from my cell phone. Um, but uh you know, but I've been pleased with it so far and we've gotten a really good response from the folks that buy it. And that's, that's really the reality for us is the, you know, yeah. how do our customers respond to it? Um yeah. you know, we look at, we look at new products and we look at returns and we look at, you know, customer interactions. And so far we've had a really good, a uh, real positive experience with it. So right now I'm, I'm pleased with it and we're gonna continue to, to sell it and, and, uh, and, and promote
0: it. Excellent. Yeah, that's a that's a great great uh, detailed recap. It's just just uh you know I don't have one. I haven't used one, but. uh been talking to people that have, and and uh, yep. you know, like I said, it's indus- I feel it's a, a significant uh, development in the industry, so it's something yep. I've been curious about. But it, I, I hadn't uh, hadn't even thought about um, carrying the spare phone because this was the first yep. season that uh, I was I was able to carry a waterproof iPhone in the field with me, and it was really nice to be able to because I, I pull it out all the time in the grouse woods, and I'm looking at satellite imagery all the time. Sure. So this year was awesome. I didn't have to worry about if it was you know if it was wet or if there was a drizzle out, and if I'm taking pictures and that kind of. Stuff, Stuff. so that 's awesome, um, but again, like you said, you know the with the turnover in the cell phone market, I mean I would imagine it would be pretty easy to find. Uh, you know, a, a used cell phone with with oh, yeah. uh, without a, without a cell contract that's got a, a real nice screen, uh, decent sure. battery, and and some waterproofing. There's 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 actually a you know a number of models out there that are that started as active phones where they're waterproof. So yeah, that's that's an option for people. That's kind of interesting. Sure. So, um, all right. So I, I'm a big believer that more well I'm a big believer that more competition is a good thing
1: you know garmin yes. and i, yes. I and I, I'm a garmin guy and I love garmin but uh but yep. they've locked down that market pretty hard and yep. uh you know and we're we're looking for fortunately garmin's one of those companies that doesn't need competition to continue to produce they're still you know they're still developing new yeah. stuff but but more competition is better for everybody and uh, and dogs done a really nice job with uh with their first and this is their first foray into it and they've done a really nice job right we're real, we're real pleased with it so so I expect yeah. more in the future from them
0: Good, excellent. All right, so again, uh, GPS caller related. I had a question uh, from somebody. the It was a question that I actually asked myself when I was when I was picking up my first caller. Um, you know you have a number of GPS caller options, some of them tracking only, some of them tracking and training. Uh, okay. you mentioned that you run an you run an astro which is which is yeah. uh tracking only um not, I, not i'm not going to get into you know what's which one's better than the other cuz obviously that question doesn't really apply but how do you see how do you see a tracking only or versus a tracking and training fitting with different end users um you know it depends on it depends on how you use a training collar um
1: it, to me, it, it depends on a couple of things, um, and we'll, we'll use the Alpha as a as a good example because sure. it's the it's, it's the biggest one out there. And some of the issues that I have with the Pathfinder training collar, I still I also have with the Alpha. Yep. Um, it depends on how you use your training collar and how many dogs you have. That's that's really the reality of it for me. Okay. Um, I I've got 14 dogs that I'm running actively right now, of which. Seven are young dogs, so they're in they're in training. Um, so I'm I'm I, I use a lot of buttons. I change a lot of levels. I'm I'm you know I'm I'm pretty active on my training collar um, with with those dogs. Um, so I need to be I need a lot of flexibility to be able to raise and lower my stimulations, and I need to be able to select between dogs and move around rapidly. That's hard to do with an alpha. Um, the alpha is a touchscreen, and it has. Uh, you know, it has buttons across. You know, it has it has buttons for stem, and you can configure those. Um, but it is it is difficult to um, if you're running three dogs or six dogs. Uh, well, let's just say three, from an upland standpoint, that's the most I'm going to run. Um, if you're running three dogs, you can assign each button to a dog, but it's going to be set on you know a level or on tone, and you've got to um, you know to to change that, you have to hit the touch screen and select the dog and, and change the level and then go to your stem well that, that, that it takes a lot of time. Um, it also forces you to stop and look at the screen to make those adjustments and you're not you're not focused on the dog now so from a training perspective, um, the alpha is not the best in my opinion, and I would say the exact same thing for the for the Pathfinder, Um yeah. because it 's a touch screen and that that is difficult. I want a collar that I can do it by feel. Um, I want to be able to raise and lower stimulation levels um, strictly by feel, and never have to look at my transmitter. And there is not anything on the market right now that that is a combination system that will do that. So, yep. Um, myself personally, I I've, I've tried. Uh, you know, I I ran uh, when the SportDog Tech came out. It was the first combination system. I ran it for a while. Um, ran into some same issues as far as wasn't able to do what I wanted to. Uh, went to the Alpha, ran it for a long time, still couldn't get what I wanted. Um, when Tech Two came out, I, I tried it, couldn't get what I wanted, and, and finally just reached the point where I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back to the way I did things before. And uh, um, you know, I grew up using a Pro 100. Um, that was my um, that was my primary collar for a long time which right now Garmin's version of that is the 550 um yep. which um you know it is a 21 level you know buttons and dials and toggle switches it's very old school as far as uh you know as far as how it works but I can you know I can raise and lower stem and I can correct dogs and do whatever I need to do and I never once have to look at the transmitter um so I you know I run um for a long time, I ran an Alpha as my tracking unit, and I used an e-collar, a separate e-collar. Um, but that was because of update rates. Um, at the time, the Alpha had a faster update rate than the, the Astro 320, the fastest update rate it had, was five seconds, and the Alpha was two and a half seconds. And it's amazing once you get used to that two and a half seconds how hard it is to go oh, back yeah. to five. And so uh, so when the 430 came out, which is the current version of the Astro, it has a two and a half second update, so I went to it. Um, so, so my setup right now, um, is a Astro 430, uh, with a mini T5 collar. And then I run a, uh, a Garmin 550 and, and just the regular collar. And those collars are actually the same size. They both fit. So I have, so my strap, I have, I have them on the same strap. So I have, uh, um, you know, just one strap that's put on the dog. Um,
0: excellent.
1: excellent. And so it's a, yeah, it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a hybrid, you know, sort of thing. And it works really well for me. Um, so. You know that, that that's what I'm running right now, and just it just because I'm like I said I'm a, I'm an e-collar guy, and so I want it to be uh to be a certain way. So, um, we got lots of folks running the alpha, and so it's one of those things where it just depends on what you like. I know a lot of guys that, that say, well, I've got I've got a training collar that I do when I'm doing my training, and then when I'm hunting, I run the alpha, and uh and and I fully understand that, and a lot of folks do it that way, and it works great for them. Um, I just do a lot of training during hunting season um and so you know i just i just got tired of having to go back and forth
0: yep yeah i think that makes a lot of sense and then uh, laid it out laid it out very uh very well and and you know I've, I've had some of those some similar discussions with with people that i hunt with and yeah i i started with the alpha because my thinking at the time was hey, i don't have this is my first dog i don't have a gps or an e-collar sure. let's get them all in one i quickly okay. realized you know a lot of those things that for you know, with a young dog wanting to do actual yard work and serious training, you know, it wasn't very long before I had bought a bought another uh, a, a real e collar. I shouldn't say real e collar. That's that's no. a service to the alpha, but. But a, a more specialized e collar you know that wasn't the GPS combination unit sure. and uh, and yeah and so that's, that's what I run when I' when I'm training doing yard work but yeah. uh, in the field you know the alpha track and training, oh, sure. you know yep. it, it works well en- works well enough for, for one dog like and, you said you know, that, you know doing a lot of the, the other
1: the other side of it too is that you can customize an alpha really heavily where you can take those buttons yes. and you can make each button an individual stimulation level and you can have one button if you're running one dog you can have one button that's tone and one or you know tone or vibrate um, and you can yep. have one button that's a sim level and one button that's another stem level, and for a lot of situations that'll work. But you know, but like I said, having three dogs on the ground it becomes a little more complicated. Um, Correct. And so, so it just it really depends on what you're doing. We try to look at the individual. I'm not going to say to you, this is the best or this is the you know the way to go." I'm going to say, "What exactly. are you doing?" You know, I want to know what you're doing and what your situation is, and then I'm going to give you an opinion on what I think or what. Or you can say to me, I'm trying to do this. Is this going to work? And I'm going to say, well, in my experience, you know, you may be better off to look over here. Um, yeah, because okay. it really just depends on, you know, on that. I'm not a big believer in, well, this is the only way to go. It's just, that's just not the reality of it.
0: All right. A couple more for you. Um Okay. Another question I got from somebody was, he, he actually suggested, uh, the possibility of some kind of a, a mouth activated, uh, e-caller or training device, which, what he really was getting at was, was a hands-free, hands-free uh-huh. e-caller, training caller, which they, they already exist. Uh, I know, I think, going off memory, I think DT Systems had one, and I believe Dog Trick came out with an ARC that was hands-free this year. So, yeah. we'll talk about those a little bit um i i don't remember
1: d t having one but i'm i'm
0: okay okay i'm
1: not gonna i'm not gonna say that they have a couple of others a couple of European companies that had some stuff at one time uh in the u s right now a doctor released one um this fall that it, a version of the arc there are three or yeah. four different versions of the arc right now, so you got to make sure you get the right one and it has a small push button um you know uh uh key fob style um and so you could have the transmitter anywhere in your body, and you don't have to touch it, and you set the transmitter on the level that you want, and, and now you've got, you know, you've got stem, you know, in, in a very small, you know, package. And basically what it's doing is that little key fob is is sending, you know, is is sending information to the transmitter, and the transmitter is sending yeah. information to the dog. Um, we've been pleased with how they work. Um, okay. I am very hesitant um, uh, I, I actually now I think about it. I know the DT collar you're talking about. Um, uh, those products have been marketed as something that you can use while you're shooting. Yeah. Um, I, I. It's just a really bad idea. Um, yep. um, having taking your hands off of your gun or having something extra that you add onto your gun is a bad idea. Um, I just don't like I said, I, conceptually it's great. You know, it gives you yeah. something that's small and easy to use and you can set it up in a certain way. Um Doctor's really big in the canine market and um that, mm-hmm. that product I think was was it was heavily designed for canine officers. That's a whole different ball game you're talking about, guys that are professional shooters. Um yes. And I'm not experienced enough to even comment on that. But I shoot a shotgun on a regular basis, and I think that's I just I just caution folks about you know about that combination. Um, if you need to correct your dog while you're shooting, you need to put your shotgun down and you need yeah. to dog train and bring somebody else along to do the shooting. Would be my stance on it. Um, I, it's just a safety factor for me. Um, so you know that technology is there, it exists, and I know the way folks like for it to be. I just makes me a little nervous. Um, Anytime you get a shotgun involved in, in something, I'm 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 going to always kind of veer toward, um, you know. And I do a lot of I do a lot of hey, I take my buddy with me. My buddy's in charge of shooting, and I'm working dogs. Um, I do a lot of that, um, and uh, and I'm a big fan of that. I was in Texas last week, and I hunted five days, um, and I didn't kill a bird the whole time I was there. And I'm not a tree hugger by any. The rest of the imagination and i like <laughs> birds as much as the next guy but i was dog training i had a bunch of young dogs with me and we were working on some stuff and i can't kill birds and dog train i just i can't do it um and so i spent the week you know um doing that and it was great uh, it was fabulous i was by my, uh, three of the five days i was by myself and you know had nothing but you know it's just you know so fun to be able to just focus on the dog and work on wild birds that's a rare combination that that i'm i am fortunate that i get to do and a lot of folks you know, don't. And, uh, and I grew up, um, you know, you know, being able to find, uh, you know, 25 cubbies in a day, you know, and work young dogs on them, you know, uh, it's, it's awesome. And not, you know, um, uh, so, so going back to, you know, to that, the hands-free concept or the push button thing, I just caution folks about it. Um, it just makes me a little nervous.
0: Yeah. I think, I think you explained it well. I think it lends itself to that, to that sort of, more high-level discussion is, is, you know, if you're if you're worried about correcting your dog while you're trying to shoot a bird, you know, yeah, but take, it's just a bad combination. Back, take a step back, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. It's it's yeah. a bad so, combination, you know. Yeah, or it can't uh, be. Uh, it just can't be.
0: Right, right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so so we talked a lot about uh, about uh, GPS units, and mm-hmm. another thing that that comes up quite a bit. I got asked this. Uh, do you have a favorite method or, you know, what's your approach? Uh, what do you use to secure those, uh, those rather expensive handhelds to your vest oh, yeah. or, or when you're carrying them out in the field? I think I've gotten by with the, uh, the Garmin on my Alpha. I use the, mm-hmm. uh, carabiner clip that, yeah. that sort of loops, loops into it. And I really like that. I clip it onto my yep. WingWorks vest and it mm-hmm. rides nicely and I love that. Yep. But, um, what, uh, what um, other methods?
1: You know, there's, there's, there's several things. Garmin makes several things that work really well. I, I, I like to have that kind of stuff tethered to my body. I want to have it where yep. it's, 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 attached. And, and, uh, one of the best things that we got, especially with the handhelds with Garmin, and we never could get Tritronics to do this, was to put a way to tie onto them. Um, that was something that, that, Tritronics thought you could buy yourself a holster, and that's the way to go. The problem with that is that Mm -hmm. holsters fail occasionally. And so I like to be able to tie to the actual unit. Um, And there's several carabiner. They have several different carabiner-style clips um, that work for the handhelds. Those are great. Um, I use – they they have some retractable clips um, that I like, um, especially Mm -hmm. for my trackers. Um, and, and I use, um, the, the, they just have a regular clip that comes along with the, the units, um, when you buy them, but they're not very secure in that, you know, they're the old cell phone style clips, Um yep, yep, yep. and, uh, they're, they're, they they work, uh, they just, you know, you're gonna walk past a bush and it's gonna get knocked off, so you have to have it, you know, tethered to yourself. Um so I'm a big believer in that. Um all my stuff is tied to me and and it gets knocked off from time to time and uh mm-hmm. so there's there's lots of different things um not much comes with any of the units it's really an add-on um but it's something that I I caution folks about, you know, you want to have some sort of lanyard, some sort of tether, some sort of clip that, you know, that is extremely secure that you can attach to yourself. The thing you got to watch about the Alpha and the Astro units is that there's a battery um there's a battery yes. clip. And people seem to think that's okay to tie to, and it's not. Um, You got to look on the bottom of the unit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's one of those things. It works great until it gets turned, and then the battery, (laughs) the back of the battery. You know, now you've got the back of your battery lid, and your unit is on the ground somewhere. Um, If you were going to have
0: one of one of the two pieces, you'd rather have (laughs) the other piece. Yeah,
1: (laughs) definitely. You could get them. Yeah, the battery lids aren't that expensive. Um, (laughs) One thing, especially for your Alpha users. You know, if you have somebody else that has an Alpha or has an Astro 430, you can track those handhelds. Uh, But to do it, you've got to set it up. And uh, Mm -hmm. I tell everybody, hey, you know, if you've got a buddy that has one, even if you don't hunt together, get the codes and get them set up where they track each other. And then if you screw up and you lose your Alpha out in the woods, your buddy can come and he can track it for you. Uh, But you've got to set that up. It's not something you can do after the fact. You know, it's not something that can be turned on when you realize you've lost it, and it's not something that it does automatically. But you can set it up where if I have an Alpha and you have an Alpha, we can track each other. Um, and so, if you know somebody else that has one, go ahead and set those codes up. And then that way, if you do screw up and lose it in the woods, your buddy can come, you know, find it for you. Um, yep, that's that's, that's something you cannot do that with a 430. A 430 can track an Alpha, but an Alpha can't track a 430. Um, but if you have an alpha, you know, it it is a tracking device in and of itself. And that's never a bad idea either in case something happens to you out in the woods. Um, like I said, if you know somebody that's got one, even if you're not with them, you know, go ahead and set that up. And, uh, and that way they can find you if you fall in a hole and break your leg. (laughs) Yep,
0: exactly. All right, Steve. Well, uh, we covered a lot. I don't want to take up any more of your time. This was, uh, this was really fun. Um, I appreciate you coming on to the podcast. I guess, uh, being that it's uh being that it's Christmas coming up this weekend any uh any uh, any uh sort of stocking stuffer or things that uh, gun dogs you got oh. special or you would recommend for people
1: well we have a lot going on but it's tonight's yep. Wednesday the 20th if if you haven't gotten your Christmas stuff mail orders probably That's true. For you. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 we we're we're kind of uh, we're we're kind of winding down today was uh, uh today was about the last day to really get anything done. we're still shipping stuff and we will be but uh, the Christmas falling on a Monday this year is kind of tough, and so uh, so uh, uh, right now we're down to you know if you want it it's going to be next day aired, and that's uh, you know and that's pushing it even at this point. Um, yeah, you know I'll tell you that I tell you the biggest thing the biggest thing I want everybody to do and and we we always push this and especially this time of year because we are coming up on New Year's Eve and I'd rather folks focus on that. Um, fireworks are a are a hazard to mm. all dogs. And, and I, I hate, oh, I hate social media from this standpoint. You're going to see an enormous amount of, you know, um, um, there, there's a meme going around that's, you know, your dog's scared of fireworks. That's cute. My dog's looking for dead birds, you know, and, mm. and there are dogs, I, you know, that is true. You know, a dog that's yes. been properly gun conditioned may react to fireworks that way, but it's not guaranteed. Um, fireworks are not gunfire. They're not. They don't sound the same. They don't look the same. And some dogs are going to, you know, are going to come unhinged. And uh, and uh, I don't know if the number falls for New Year's Eve as much as it does for Fourth of July. Fourth of July is the day that, that more dogs throughout the year get lost on Fourth of July uh, than, than any other day. And that's because they're wow. running from fireworks. And, uh, so, so I, first off caution folks, especially guys with bird dogs, even if your dog is gunfire conditioned, if you, you know, you want to not expose them to that, if you can help it. Um, cause it's not the same thing, the lights and the sound and, and, and there is no bird involved with it. So it's not the same thing. So, and I, I caution, especially guys with young dogs, It's just not worth it, you know. And so I I, I try to protect them from it. If I've got a young dog and I live in an area like a neighborhood where some folks are going to be shooting them off, I go to my neighbors and I say, hey, you know, let me know. Just if you're going to start shooting fireworks off a day or two before or a day or two after, just call me and tell me so I can bring my dog inside and I can make sure he's okay. Um, Because it's one of those things that it's, 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 it's so easy to prevent it from happening and it is so hard to fix. That you know that I caution folks about it, and don't try and be macho about it, and say, "Well, my dog can handle it." Maybe he can, maybe he can't. But you know, if you find out on the wrong end of that, you know, you've got a problem, and you may have ruined the dog forever. So it's just not worth it. And the other side of that is check your ID plate information on your dog, and make sure that it's up to date. Um, You know, we sell, you know very you know we've got 5 6 7 dollar collars that you can get a free ID plate on that you can update your information and if your dog does get lost that's how he's getting home to you his GPS stuff is great you know it's wonderful but if the collar's not on your dog and he goes over the fence and makes a break for it you know that's how you're going to get him home and so um, you know so two things there protect your dogs from fireworks and make sure you got your updated information on your on your tags because that's how he's getting home to you you know you need a you need a, a good phone number on there that people can get to you you know and and that's the thing that I tell folks this time of year that's more important anything else.
0: Yep, absolutely. Point well taken. And yeah, that's, uh, when, uh, when we get on the other side of Christmas here and people have, yep. uh, maybe a little extra cash in their pocket, they can, uh, hit up Gundogs, Gundogsupply.com and, and check out the collars and all the other fun stuff we talked about today. Well, sure. Steve, uh, like I said, it was a, it was a real pleasure talking to you. I, I can't thank you enough for coming on to, uh, Project Upland podcast. It was a pleasure having you. Uh, I wish you the best. Hope you have a Merry Christmas, a great holiday season and, uh, take care and happy hunting this, uh, Thanks. early next year. Yeah, we sure appreciate it. All right. Take care, Steve. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Nick Larson with the Project Upland Podcast. Just wanted to take a second to thank you again for listening to this episode of the show and remind you that, as always, we are brought to you by our friends at Pine Ridge Krause Camp. As always, we appreciate your feedback. Please don't hesitate to contact us via projectupland.com or by emailing me directly at Nick. Larson at NorthwoodsCollective.com. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog.